Well, greetings and welcome to Understanding Christianity. I'm your host, Pastor Sean Cole. I serve as the lead pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Sterling, Colorado. I'm also an adjunct instructor at Colorado Christian University. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. Just want to remind you that my new book from G3 Pressed has been out for about a month or so, and it's called 40 Days in Philippians, Finding Joy in Jesus. It is a 40-day, uh, expos- I call it an expository devotional. Uh, a lot of times the devotional books out there are pretty trite or they're pretty shallow. They have a lot of um, touchy-feely things with maybe one scripture and there's not a lot of meat to them. Uh, this is actually going verse by verse expositionally through the book of Philippians, but it also has um, a lot of devotional thoughts and some things for you to be praying about and thinking about for your spiritual growth. So you can check that out through the G3 website as well as there's a Kindle version available on Amazon. So we're going to continue this study on expository preaching. I do these workshops called Feed the Flock, and over the past few podcasts, we've basically established a biblical theology of expository preaching from Genesis through really looking at the book of Acts. So we saw that God is a speaking God in creation. God spoke in the Old Testament through Moses when he preached an expository sermon in the book of Deuteronomy. We saw uh, Ezra, the priest, preaching in the book of Nehemiah during that great revival after the wall is built. We saw the preaching of John the Baptist. We saw Jesus as an expositional preacher in Luke chapter 4 when he was in his hometown of Nazareth. We saw him uh, open the scriptures in Luke chapter 24, showing how the entire Old Testament points to him. And then we looked at the sermons in the book of Acts. We looked at Peter's sermon at Pentecost. We looked at Stephen's sermon before the Sanhedrin, we looked at Philip's um, evangelism encounter with the Ethiopian eunuch, and we looked at Paul's sermon in Acts chapter 13 in the synagogue in Antioch, Pisidia, and we've seen this pattern of expository preaching in the Bible. Now, in today's podcast, we're going to get to a definition. Before I define it, I wanted to give a biblical theology as to why we do it, because it's more important to look at what the Bible says than just what what is Sean's definition of expository preaching. Now, obviously, I received a doctorate in expository preaching from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, had to read tons of books on preaching, um, been inundated with this topic over the past (laughs) 15, 20 years or so, and so it may be helpful to give you, the listener, um, some of the better definitions I've found from the books that I've read, and I'll be referencing these books. So if you're a pastor or you're a seminary student or you're um, a young preacher that wants some good resources or books on preaching, I'm going to give you some definitions from some of the better books I've found. Then I'm going to give you uh, my definition, and then we're going to talk about the benefits of expository preaching. So um, Al Mohler um, has defined it this way. He defines expository preaching as expository preaching is that mode of Christian preaching that takes as its central purpose the presentation and application of the text of the Bible. All other issues and concerns are subordinated to the central task of presenting the biblical text. So this is a presentation and application of a biblical text. That's from Al Moeller's book, He Is Not Silent. Jerry Vines, 
and Jim Shaddix. They also have a good definition of expository preaching. They say an expository sermon is one that expounds a passage of Scripture, organizes it around a central theme and main points, and then decisively applies its message to the listeners. So that's got three parts to that definition. It expounds the passage of Scripture, means it explains, it expounds it, and then it organizes the sermon around the central theme of that Scripture, and then it decisively applies it. There's application to, it's not just an explanation of a text, but there's application as well. Mark Dever says this, expositional preaching is that kind of preaching which is the main point of the biblical text being considered becomes the main point of the sermon being preached. So that's a very brief definition where the main point of the text is the main point of the sermon. That's good as far as organization is concerned, but there are thing, I think there needs to be a little bit more uh, to Mark Devers. I think his is good, but it's, it's a little bit um, limited. Uh, probably one of the most famous ones is from Haddon Robinson's definition. His is long, and his has, you know, there's some people, I know when I did my doctoral, there's some people that kind of pushed back on his definition. It felt like it may be too expansive. So he says this, expository preaching is the communication of a biblical concept derived from and transmitted through the historical, grammatical, and literary study of a passage in its context, which the Holy Spirit at first applies to the personality and experience of the preacher, then through the preacher applies it to the hearers. Uh, there's a lot of points in that. Uh, Haddon Robinson is known for his, what's the one big point? What's the big idea? What's the main point of your sermon? But he adds in there the method, the historical, grammatical, literary method then he also talks about the role of the Holy Spirit, how it first has to be applied to the pastor or the preacher, and then the role of the Holy Spirit to the listener. Brian Chapel has said this in his Christ-centered preaching book, the meaning of a passage is the message of the sermon. The text governs the preacher. Expository preachers do not expect others to honor their opinions. Such ministers adhere to the Scripture's truths and expect their listeners to heed the same. So the meaning of the passage is the message of the sermon. That's very similar to Mark Dever's definition. John Stott, in his Between Two Worlds, probably one of the better books, I think, on preaching. It's actually one of my favorite ones, John Stott, Between Two Worlds. He says, quote, It is my contention that all true Christian preaching is expository preaching. To expound Scripture is to bring out of the text what is there and expose it to view. The expositor prizes open what appears to be closed, makes plain what is obscure, unravels what is knotted, and unfolds what is tightly packed. The opposite of exposition is imposition, which is to impose on the text what is not there. So there you have some definitions from some of the better books on expository preaching. Well, what's my definition? And you're like, okay, who cares what Pastor Sean's definition is? Um, so I mean, I've thought about this for a long time, and, and, it's, and it's actually got four key components. It's, it's actually fairly long. Um, I think sometimes when you define expository preaching with a minimalistic definition, there needs to be more added. I think sometimes it can be too long. I, I think mine's probably too long, but I think that um, there's four key components to what I think an expository sermon or expository preaching is. So let me give you the statement and then we'll look at these four key components. 
So here's the statement, the definition of expository preaching. So it is this. It is the God-glorifying, Christ-centered, Spirit-empowered explanation and application of any biblical text through the process of careful historical, grammatical, and literary exegesis and skillful organization. From this process, the actual sermon emerges from the meaning and structure of the text. Its ultimate purpose is to exhort hearers to spiritual transformation through the power of the gospel. Now, I know that's a mouthful, but let's look at these four components. The first aspect is it includes a clear Trinitarian understanding of preaching. It is the God-glorifying, Christ-centered, Spirit-empowered explanation and application of any biblical text. So I wrote a book on your identity in the Trinity. I, I think a lot of times in Christian circles, we downplay the importance of the Trinity, the role of the Father, the role of the Son, the role of the Spirit in redemption, in salvation, in how they operate in the world and in creation and all the aspects of what the Holy Trinity does, each three persons. But what I'm trying to aim at is that preaching is ultimately an act of worship. We first and foremost preach as an act of worship to the triune God. In preaching, the hope is that the Father, the Heavenly Father, receives glory. It's all about the glory of God the Father. We also hope that Jesus Christ the Son is exalted as Savior and Lord, that He rules and reigns as our prophet, priest, and king, and that also the Holy Spirit empowers both the preacher, we've talked about that in previous podcasts on this, that he's anointed and he's empowered, and also the role of the Holy Spirit in the, in the minds and hearts and souls of the congregation, either to bring about regeneration of those who are unsaved or transformation and sanctification of those who are saved. So, so, pastors, I want to challenge you that do you see your first aim not to convey information, not to show people that you've studied up, not to be a great orator in the pulpit, but do you see first and foremost that preaching is an act of worship to the triune God? You are aiming to glorify God the Father. You are aiming to exalt Christ the Son, and you want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So if we leave out the worship, Trinitarian aspect of preaching, it can become just an act that you do in the flesh. It could be something that you view as perfunctory. I've got to do this because it's my job. It becomes more of a doctrine dumping. I'm giving you information, but you don't see it as an act of worship. And I would say preaching, the expository preaching of God's word is the chief or pinnacle act of worship in a worship service when God's people gather together. I always find it interesting when people talk about, you know, the worship was good today. I, I really like the worship. And what they mean is the, the music portion. The, the music portion of the worship service was important to them. But preaching is not worship. There's the worship and there's the preaching, and they separate those two. And what they mean is the worship is the music, the preaching is the preaching. And I know what they mean, but ultimately, the entire worship service from the call to worship all the way through to the benediction is an act of worship. The singing, the giving of tithes, the, the singing of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, the prayers, 
all of the things, the, you know, the prayers of confession, even the Lord's Supper and baptism, but ultimately the preaching of the Word of God is the central or pinnacle um, portion of the entire worship service. It's an act of worship. So that's the first key component. All right, what's the second key component? This is one that's in almost all of the definitions of expository preaching. So here's the second. It is both the explanation and the application of any biblical text. The explanation and the application of any biblical text. Now, what I want to do is I want to take you to Deuteronomy. I know I referenced that a few times, and maybe in the past podcast, maybe I didn't address it uh, as fully as I should, but I'm going to go ahead and address it right here. So if you've got a Bible, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 1, because we find some interesting language that Moses uses as he writes Deuteronomy to explain what he did. So Deuteronomy chapter 1, these are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel beyond the Jordan in the wilderness, in the Arabah opposite Suf between Paran and Tophel, Laban, Hezeroth, and Dizahab, and then all those different places. Go down to verse 5, beyond the Jordan in the land of Moab, Moses undertook to explain the law saying, and then you go on, and that's his very first sermon in the book of Deuteronomy. It says there, Moses undertook to explain the law. That's a very rare word in the Hebrew text. It's, it's interesting. It means to dig or to hew as if writing on stone or tablets. That's really what the word means. But metaphorically, the, the word picture means to expound or dig or make clear or expose to explain to declare to to dig out the meaning and then to set forth the meaning once it's dug out so so when you think about what moses is doing there in his preaching he's he's exegeting the law of god he's digging the depths of it and he's exposing it now it's interesting because this law had already been written down and published back in exodus it's not a new law remember deuteronomy means the second giving of the law to that next generation so moses had already proclaimed that law back in exodus what he's doing here is he's taking the written word of god and he's explaining it, and he's applying it to that new generation as they're about ready to go into the promised land. So this process of digging or explaining or exegeting the written word and then preaching it by way of explanation and application, that really stands at the heart of expository preaching. So the overall thrust of this word explain in the Hebrew text in the context of Deuteronomy means that Moses preached three expository sermons that were meant to be clear and understandable to his listeners and the aim of that was to motivate and exhort them to obedience as they were going into the promised land so this definition proves very important to the role of expository preaching because we as preachers don't publish a new word we don't we don't get a word from the lord and just kind of get up there and say things what we do is we make plain the already inspired text of scripture and I don't know if that's what you've ever thought of Moses doing in Deuteronomy. He's not giving new words. He's explaining the already written word that was published or codified or given back in Exodus. 
And so these sermons, three of them in Deuteronomy, he clearly and pointedly laid bare the text. He preached the written word to the assembled congregation for the purpose of obedience to its inherent authority as Scripture. So number one, preaching, expository preaching is an act of worship to the triune God. Number two, it is the explanation and application of a passage of Scripture. You've got to explain it. You've got to apply it. But this is the third part, which is very important. It talks more about the process before you get into the pulpit. It must involve careful exegesis and skillful organization where the exegetical outline determines the homiletical outline. So we'll talk about this when we get to the 10-step process, but when you do expository preaching, you are exegeting or interpreting the passage of Scripture to understand its meaning in the original context. And so what you're doing is you're determining the exegetical outline. How is this text laid out? What are the parts of the text? How is the, how is the text organized? How is it structured? You're, you're doing literary analysis. You're doing um, exegetical analysis, cultural analysis, genre. You're doing the deep study to determine the meaning of the text. And then from that, you've got to organize skillfully the actual sermon. A sermon is as much of a science as it is an art. And this is where preaching becomes kind of difficult because there is somewhat of a science to exegesis. There are some hermeneutical structural things that are important when you actually do biblical interpretation, where you study the meaning in its original context. You do word studies. You study the, the argumentation and the genre and, and all those things. That's, that's pretty scientific but when it comes to organizing your sermon, that's where it becomes an art form. Because you take five pastors that come to a passage of Scripture, we're all going to come up with the same meaning because the meaning is fixed. What was the meaning to the original audience? What's the fixed historical meaning that doesn't change? That, that we're all going to come to through the process of exegesis. But how we organize the sermon may be different depending upon our own personalities, depending on the needs of the congregation. So the organization of an expository sermon, there's more fluidity there. There's more art, artistry there. It's, it's really how the Holy Spirit's leading you to organize the text that you're going to preach as a sermon. Um, a, an expository sermon is not a running commentary that you just kind of give verse-by-verse verse word studies, running commentary, you know, verse-by-verse verse explanation. That's not a sermon. A sermon has a clear point. A sermon has a clear structure. It has a clear movement. There is a skillful organization to an expository sermon where you're moving your listeners to the intended direction you want them to go. So what is the purpose of the text what is the purpose of the sermon? So number one, it is an act of worship to the triune God. Number two, there is the application and explanation of a passage of Scripture. Number three, that comes through exegesis, the hard work of doing biblical interpretation, and then the skillful or artful organization of your actual sermon with the points and the movements and how you're going to preach it. 
Okay, now let's look at the fourth aspect of preaching. So preaching is more than just a lecture for information acquisition. Preaching by nature is where you exhort, you encourage, and and ultimately it's leading to transformation. Um, Oftentimes, there's a difference between teaching and preaching, I would say. Because the pastoral epistles use both for what a pastor is to do. He's to preach and to teach. And oftentimes the, the Greek word that you see for preaching is, is exhortation, parakaleo, to come alongside and to, to call forth and to encourage. Teaching is geared more towards the mind, information acquisition. You're wanting people to be filled with information to enlighten their mind. It's more information-driven, more lecture-driven. That's teaching. Preaching, on the other hand, aims for the heart and for the will. There is the encouragement. There's the the calling for a response. Now, all good expository preaching must include teaching. There needs to be content. That's why you've done the exegesis. That's why you're preaching the content. But you're not just giving a lecture for information to fill people's minds. You're, You're doing that in preaching, but you're taking the next step to exhortation, to calling for a response, to declare, to exhort. Um, not just reaching for the mind, but really aiming for the heart. So the ultimate purpose of preaching is not simply just to preach a message, but to preach in such a way that the congregation is gripped by the truth. They're being spiritually transformed by the power of the gospel. And so I, I, I sometimes hear expository preaching talked about again like verse by verse preaching and it almost comes off more as a dry lecture and so that's why sometimes expository preaching gets a bad rap because what people equate with expository preaching is kind of a verse by verse dry lecture here's the word study this word means this and this verse means this and you're just kind of linearly going through your passage and and preaching the content which is good for a lecture which is maybe good for a Sunday school class or a Bible study But when a pastor stands in the pulpit, he comes with the authority of God because he's preaching the written text and he's empowered by the Holy Spirit and he wants to do more than just impart information. He is structuring his sermon in such a way and preaching in such a way for a response, driving home a point to the heart. You want people to to get their hearts transformed. And here's how you can tell the difference. You see, when it's just merely cognition where people are getting content they're taking notes in your sermon and and i don't have any problem with people taking notes but then when it becomes where it's no longer feeding the mind and it's gripping the heart and the will that's when people put down their notebooks and people put down their pencils and they're on the edge of your seat and they're listening because at that point it's no longer about information acquisition they're being gripped in their heart by the holy spirit through the preaching of the word And so there's a a great quote from James Stewart. He's a Scottish preacher, and and John Piper gives this quote in his book, The Supremacy of God in Preaching. And I think this this quote by James Stewart is is a wonderful quote that, that I think sums up what we're looking at here. The aims of all genuine preaching are to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open the heart to the love of God, and to devote the will to the purpose of God. Do do you see all the different aspects there? 
going for the conscience, going for the mind, going for the imagination, going for the heart, going for the will. That's true expository preaching is, is aiming for the whole person. Not just the mind. It's not just a lecture, but you're wanting them to be affected in their whole person, the heart, the mind, the will, the emotions, everything. You're, you're, you're gearing towards that transformation that, that only the Holy Spirit can do. Now, ultimately, you as a pastor can't do that. You preach for that. And I've also heard some pastors, especially in the Reformed tradition, say you should never preach application. You should never preach for a response because that's decisionism. That's the role of the Holy Spirit to bring application. And I understand what, they, what they're saying. Theologically, we do believe that it is only the Holy Spirit who brings conviction. It is only the Holy Spirit that brings application. It's only the Holy Spirit that brings transformation. Yes and amen. But we have biblical examples where Moses preached for a response, especially in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and that first part of that sermon that he preaches. Jesus preached for a response in Luke chapter 4, remember in the synagogue sermon? He says, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. Like, basically, to the audience, you need to respond to this today. Remember Peter, you crucified Jesus, and they were cut to the heart. So we see biblical examples of preaching for application, preaching for a response, preaching for repentance, preaching for obedience. And you can call people to that. You can aim for the heart, aim for the will, as a Reformed expository preacher, knowing that you're aiming for that, but ultimately the Holy Spirit's going to bring about the true transformation. Now, He uses your preaching as the means by which He accomplishes that. And so I think it's very appropriate to preach for a response, to preach to the heart, to preach to the will. Not that we believe people use their libertarian free will to quote-unquote make a decision. I think sometimes in the Reformed world when it comes to expository preaching people can get so afraid of decisionism or people you know if we call people to response and they're going to be using their free will and we're telling people to decide and and all these things then we're you know we're betraying our theology of, of irresistible grace and sovereign regeneration no we're just realizing that the means by which god does this is the word preached and, and all the confessions preach this you go back to the heidelberg catechism you even go back to the canons of dort the Westminster Confession, even our 1689 Second London Baptist Confession, they all believe word and spirit. That the spirit brings about the transformation, brings about the repentance and faith, brings about the regeneration through the means of the preaching of the word. So there's the definition, those four key aspects. It's an act of worship to the triune God. It's an explanation and application of the biblical text. It comes through careful exegesis and skillful organization, and it's more than just a lecture. It is preaching to the heart and, and the will for transformation. Now, let's talk about the benefits of expository preaching. What are the benefits? Why is it beneficial? Well, let's just talk about seven of these. This is helpful for you as a preacher, you as a pastor, to understand why you're doing what you're doing. Why are you practicing expository preaching and then for the congregation if you're a lay person if you if you're a church member that listens to sermons every week what's the benefit of listening or sitting under expository preaching what's the benefit for the entire congregation to hear this type of preaching well seven here's number one it exposes people to the full counsel of god's word acts 20 26 to 27 Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. 
That's Paul's message to the Ephesian elders there in Acts chapter 20 before he leaves. He gathers them in Miletus and gives that farewell sermon. Expository preaching exposes people to the full counsel of God's Word. You preach books that maybe you're not that familiar with or your people aren't that familiar with, but you need to preach a good diet of especially Old Testament. I find a lot of people are more comfortable with the New Testament. It's harder. I think it's sometimes harder to preach the Old Testament expositionally and Christocentrically. Sometimes you can preach the Old Testament as like morality tales or don't be like Abraham or be like Abraham or be like Daniel, and it's, it's very moralistic. It's not Christ-centered and expositional. So preach the full counsel of God's Word. Derek Thomas has this statement. He says, quote, In an age of relative biblical illiteracy in many parts of the world, the need to preach the whole Bible rather than picking a text from here and there is all the more urgent. Okay, number two. I think expository preaching demonstrates effective pastoral leadership. That's what my doctoral thesis was on, is how do you lead through your preaching? And the key text that I used was 1 Timothy 5.17. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Two things to notice about that passage of Scripture. Elders, pastors, need to lead or rule well. Okay, so there's, there, there's the call to lead well, which the opposite of that is to lead poorly. And then how do you lead well? You lead well through preaching and teaching. So the primary goal of a pastor is to lead the congregation well, primarily through the preaching and teaching ministry of the church. Now, John Maxwell, more pragmatic, not in our theological camp, the guru of leadership. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that John Maxwell says that maybe would, wouldn't agree with, but he has a, a great statement here. He says, you can be a good preacher and not a good leader, but you cannot be a good leader without being a good preacher. You cannot be a good leader without being a good preacher. Do you realize that you lead through your preaching? And what does that look like? So let, let's kind of talk about the rest of these benefits. So number three, expository preaching helps people live under the authority of the Word. When you are preaching expositionally and showing good leadership, you are shepherding your congregation to live under the authority of the word, not your personal opinion, not what culture says, but you are, in, a, in essence, shaping the worldview of your congregation to submit to the authority of Scripture. And that's effective leadership. They're not following your pet projects. They're not following your personality. You are shepherding and leading the congregation to submit to the authority of the word. Walt Kaiser, in his... Um, book i'm trying to remember what the book is <laughs> i can't remember it right now i got a quote here it's the it's his, his his book on exegetical um the exegetical book he has i'll go back and look that up you can look it up walt kaiser but he says this where has the prophetic note in preaching gone where's the sense of authority and mission previously associated with the biblical word and this is what he says, one of the most depressing spectacles in the church today is her lack of power. At the heart of this problem is an impotent pulpit. An impotent pulpit. 
Eric Alexander says this, With the eroding of confidence in the authority of Scripture in our own generation, it is not at all surprising that there has been an evacuation of authority from the pulpit. The decline in preaching is almost inevitably a result of such an absence of the conviction concerning the authority of Scripture. Expository preaching uplifts the absolute authority and inerrancy of Scripture, and through that expository preaching, you're benefiting your congregation by leading them to live under the authority. So you're... You're, you as a pastor, me as a pastor's primary responsibility is to ensure that people actually hear God's voice. Not my voice, God's voice. J.I. Packer says this, The preacher's aim will be to stand under Scripture, not over it, and to allow it, the Scripture, so to speak, to talk, through him delivering what is not so much his message as its own. Scripture itself must do all the talking. And the preacher's task is simply to set the Bible in motion. Our job is to set the Bible in motion. So when we do that, the congregation becomes empowered to not follow the personal agenda of the pastor, but to follow the authority of Scripture. Number four, and we talked about this earlier, it does produce true gospel transformation. I, I can attest to this. If people sit week in and week out under effective expository preaching, it does transform their lives. They are transformed by the preaching of the Word. The Word is what does the work through the power of the Spirit. Expository preaching, I would attest, and I've seen it over 18 years at the same church, does produce fruit and transformation in the lives of the congregation. Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word does not return void. In, when you preach expositionally, you can trust that God is doing a work that does not return void. Because His Word is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It, it pierces to the soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it discerns the thoughts and the tensions of the heart, as Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 tells us. It's interesting, Charles Simeon, who was a pastor for a very long time in England back in the 1800s, he asked three questions of sermons. And I think this provides an effective grid for pastors to utilize in and and, and, and assessing your preaching. So, so you need to think about this, these three questions. Number one, did it humble the sinner? Did it exalt the Savior? Did it promote holiness? So that transformation piece, again, are you preaching for the heart? Are you aiming for the heart? Are you trusting the Holy Spirit to bring about true transformation through expository preaching? And number five, it allows the pastor to give the theological and mission direction for the church. Whether you know it or not, Pastor, whoever fills the pulpit on a regular basis serves as the de facto leader of the church. You are the chief mouthpiece for vision. You, you are the resident theologian. You are the strategic missiologist who leads the people through your preaching, whether you know it or not. And so, 
through your preaching, you're setting the theological direction and the missiological direction for the church. In other words, what is it that we believe and what is it that we do as far as our mission? You set that agenda through your preaching. And it should come from the text of Scripture. Michael Quick says this, No one is more visible, more spiritually empowered, with higher profile and quality corporate time to develop relationships along the missionary dialogue axis than the preacher. A church's mission and vision should be most clearly articulated in worship through preaching. Did you hear that? A church's mission and vision should be most clearly articulated in worship through preaching. Whether you know it or not, Pastor, you're, you're setting the vision. You're setting the mission. You're setting the theology. Now, that can happen through your small groups and through your Sunday school classes and through your um, doctrinal statement and things like that. Those are very, very important. But ultimately, what you communicate from the pulpit week in and week out is what your people are going to hear, what your people are going to get, the ethos, the culture, the direction of the church. And is that coming from the biblical text or is it coming from your own opinion? Larry Osborne says this, Preaching is perhaps the most important vision-casting tool a pastor has at his disposal. The values and principles taught from the pulpit eventually establish the DNA of a church. Whatever you communicate from the pulpit establishes the DNA of the church. Number six, it personally grows you as a pastor. Expository preaching grows you as a pastor. You're forced to deal with difficult passages, uncomfortable topics, struggle with the meaning of the text. And, and so, like for the past few weeks, I'm preaching through 1 Timothy, and we had, to, we had to deal with particular redemption. We're dealing with the role of women in ministry and some of the controversies are surrounding right now with the ordination of, of women. And so those aren't topics that are really like happy topics that most pastors dive right headfirst into. But when you're doing exposition through a book of the Bible, you got to deal with it. And there's been times where I've sat down to work through a text and I'm, I'm like, man, I wish I would have started this last week as opposed to this week because this is going to take some time. I've got to consult the commentaries and see where people come down on this because this is a difficult passage. I wish I could just skip it. Well, you can't skip it. Because your congregation will know. And they'll know two things. Number one, if you skip it, they're going to think you're a coward. Why, didn't he, why did he skip it? And number two, it's going to confuse them. Well, well, is this like not important? Or, or what's the, why is he skipping this section? You've got to deal with it. John Stott says this, How few preachers could advance the same claim? Most of us ride a few of our favorite hobby horses to death. We pick and choose from the scriptures, selecting doctrines we like, and passing over those we dif- dislike or find difficult so when we do expository preaching it forces us to deal with texts we would know not normally gravitate towards and work through those and pray through those and struggle through those and it grows us personally as a pastor and then number seven it teaches your people to study the bible on their own do you realize that what you're modeling to your people in the pulpit is something that they should be able to do when they get home. So one of my goals as a pastor is that I want, after each sermon I preach, I want a person that's sitting out in the congregation to be able to have followed along with me, look at the verse, look at the word, look at the sentence, and to know where I came up with what I came up with as we've walked through a text together. That they don't see 
that I've come up with this out of my own thoughts or this is something that I've made up, but that we can walk through a text and, and follow the flow of the text and understand the text. And, and they may not intuitive or they may not consciously know that they can do this on their own, but week after week, intuitively, as they're sitting under expository preaching, they're getting more and more confidence to trust the authority of God's word and that it is inerrant. It is authoritative. It does tie together. There is a consistency. There is no contradictions. And they can go home knowing that when I sit down and read my Bible and my personal devotions or when I do Bible study, I can trust the authority of the Word. I can do Bible study on my own because I've seen it modeled from the pulpit by my pastor. So that concludes today's podcast on preaching expository preaching. I've given you a four-part definition, and I've given you seven benefits. And again, this is getting into the very practical aspects of expository preaching. So hopefully this has been helpful to you as a pastor, to you as a seminary student, to you as a congregation member as you sit under expository preaching to kind of understand why your pastor does what he does, what are the benefits of it. And so hopefully this has been an encouragement to you. And my prayer is that you're part of a church that does practice expository preaching, that you pray regularly for your pastor and elders, whoever it is that uh, does the weekly preaching, that you lift them up in prayer, and that you pray that God gives them grace and power in their study and grace and power as they stand up and proclaim God's truth on the Lord's day. So would we all keep our eyes fixed on Jesus?